Welcome to the official first season of the Homegirl Next Door podcast, a show where we have intimate conversations surrounding all things real estate and how it affects each of our lives. Each week, I'll be sharing my experiences as a real estate professional in this ever-changing housing climate and will be periodically joined by my friends and colleagues in the industry discussing all the hot topics and sharing best tips and practices for the everyday consumer. I'm your homegirl and host, Shakira D, licensed New York realtor, and I love to welcome you into my home every Monday at 8 p.m. Grab your favorite drink and enjoy the conversation. What's up, friends? How are my homies and my homegirls doing today? Happy Monday. Um, I hope your week has been going well. I hope, you know, as we are coming into, you know, well, February is going out at this point because this is what the last week of February, hopefully, you know, you guys are on track with your goals and you're on track with the things that you want to accomplish or you're just at peace um, in whatever it is that you're doing. And yeah, um, for me, the last what, two weeks have been very intense. It seems that, you know, this intensity, these challenges like come out of nowhere and they kind of like, it's like a wave, you know, and they come and sometimes they last for a while and sometimes they just ease their way out. But the last two weeks, it was definitely challenging between my clients um, that I'm working with and, you know, my new move over to another brokerage, everything just kind of like collided for me. So the last couple weeks have just, yeah, I just had to like take a breather, take a break, like uh, completely tune out from certain things just to get realigned. So that is how, you know, it's been going for me. But other than that, no real complaints. Um, Except that I am locked out of my Instagram account. Don't know how that happened, but the hackers got my Instagram account and it's been a task to get Meta, Facebook, or whoever controls Instagram to release my account back to me. So um, starting March 1st, all of our social media is going to be over on Facebook um, until we can get this whole thing sorted out with Instagram. But yes, we will be congregating (laughs) and hanging out on the uh, Facebook page, which will be linked down below. You can go over there now and um, follow the the Facebook page, but there's no content up yet. So all of our content, um, past episodes, like really good, you know, all good things will be over there soon. So just wanted to put that out there. Um, let's get into some mortgage news. Our mortgage rates are at a 6.8% for a 30-year fix. Not surprised at that. Um, rates kind of have been creeping up slowly back up to the sevens over the past couple weeks, even though like they kind of like dipped to like a 6.17 low um, in the last few weeks, which is 6.5, 6.6. Now we're at a 6.8. So um, the rates are kind of climbing up a little bit. Um, also, your fat fifteen-year fix is at a fifth. Your fifteen years fix is at a five point nine five percent. That is up as well. The kind of good thing is that if you are going FHA or VA route, which a lot of you 
um, you know, you don't even know you could do that. Um, FHA would probably be your best bet. Uh, the rates are much lower with FHA as well as your down payment is much lower. So the requirements for FHA are not as stringent as like your conventional loans. For your credit score for an FHA, you can even have a lower credit score. So, but obviously you want to work on those things to get a better overall deal with your mortgage. Um, but the 30-year FHA and the 30-year VA are both at a 6.12% um, interest rate. So uh, options for buyers who are coming into the market because it is, we're getting, we're going into the spring market. A lot of people, whether they're buying or renting, they use this opportunity when the kids get ready to get out of school to make their move. So they start looking in the springtime and by the summer, they are you know, trying to move. So definitely right on time for the spring market. So before we get into today's episode, I know there are a lot of people who do listen to my podcast who are not in New York. And so I wanted to just share some stats with you guys um, based on the most affordable places to live in the country. Um, I'm going to give you guys the top 10 cities and states. I'm going to give you the average annual salary as well as what percent of the income is spent on housing. So if you, you know, are interested in relocating out of New York or out of wherever you are, these might be the best cities for you to go to. So we're going to start with number 10, Youngstown, Ohio. The average annual salary is $43,550 with an income um, spent on living expenses at 20.64%. The medium home sale price in March did have a decrease uh, year over year and it went down to $110,000. So, you know, Youngstown, Ohio might be a good place to start your um home ownership journey if you're interested. Number nine, Peoria, Illinois. Um, So this area of Illinois, uh, they spend about 20.59% of their income on uh, rent or mortgage payments, plus property taxes and utilities, other housing costs. Uh, But their average annual salary is at $54,330, which is pretty in line with what the national average is. The national average is about $56,000. So that's that's pretty good for uh, a metropolitan out in the Midwest. But, you know, because of their location is not too far from like Chicago, um, it helps keep the cost of living low. Number eight, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Their average annual salary is $50,470 with 20.56% being spent on housing. Um, Yeah, they saw a population growth of 6.3% between 2016 and 2021 due to the, you know, great migration, people kind of packing up and moving all over the country. So Arkansas. Next on our list is Beaumont, Texas. Their average annual salary is $50,110 with 20.55% being spent on housing. Um, Their population did shrink about about 2.5% between 2016 and 2021 due to the Great Migration. 
Pittsburgh, one of my favorite cities in PA, um, a lot more affordable than Philly, in, honestly, um, and probably a, a little bit better quality of life than Philadelphia. Um, their average annual salary is at $54,300 with 20 with 20.4% of their in, um, income being spent on housing. It was placed at number 26 on the overall best places to live. The quality of life in, in Pittsburgh is really, I mean, just visiting the city and being, you know, immersed in the culture. It just, it really felt welcoming, warm, and peaceful. It didn't really feel like other kind of like metropolitans in the, the north and eastern area. So Pittsburgh, I, I like Pittsburgh. Number five. Now we're going to get into the top five, you guys. I'm going to try to make this quick. Fort Wayne, Indiana, their average salary is a little bit lower than the um, United States average, but they're at $48,060 with 20% um, of their income being spent on housing. They do, however, have less than 500,000 residents. So it is... Um, a lot smaller, you know, than the other metropolitans in Indiana. Um, and they they actually had an increase of um, pop in their population by about 1.6% due to the Great Migration. So now the next uh, set of cities, they're called Quad Cities. So they're Davenport, Bettendorf, Iowa, and Moline Rock Island, Illinois. So there's kind of, they're kind of like, all encompass the same like area between Iowa and Illinois. So they like straddle that state line. The average annual salary is $50,160 with 20% being spent on housing. They also have less than 400,000 uh, residents. So that can kind of make it a little bit more affordable. The top three, Huntsville, Alabama. Their average salary is a lot higher than the national average. They're at $58,730,000 with 20% being um, spent on housing. They're the third most affordable place to live out of all of the uh, populous metro areas in the U.S. And they ranked number one for four years in a row as best place to live. They have less than 500,000 residents. Um, their high salary and low cost of living means that they're keeping more money in their pockets. Um, so Huntsville, Alabama. Number two, another one of my favorite places to visit, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I love nature. Um, out in Wisconsin, you get a lot of nature. It's a lot slower. It's a lot quieter. Um, it's not like a huge metropolitan. They only have about 320,000 residents. But the average annual salary is $50,000 with 20% being spent um, on their income, um, on their housing. Um, so Green Bay might be a good option for you if you don't mind the colds because it does get cold and snowy up there a lot. <laughs> and number one on the list is Hickory, North Carolina. So I know a lot of people who left New York and went down to North Carolina. They went down to Charlotte, um, Raleigh, uh, but out of all of the metro areas in North Carolina, the small town of Hickory ranks number one on the most affordable place to live. Their average salary is $43,630, with less than 20% of their income being spent on housing, making it the best 
affordable place to live in the U.S. for 2023. So if you're looking to relocate, um, you want to get out of your big city and, you know, go somewhere where you can get more bang for your buck, definitely check out the top 10. Um, check out these cities on my on this top 10 list and, you know, see what you can make happen. All right. So we're going to go ahead and get into um, today's episode. episode. So today's episode is all about the negotiation. Um, so it's very, very important that as a buyer, you know how to negotiate, right? And not necessarily for you to do the negotiations, but when your realtor comes to you and they say, okay, you know, we, you want to submit this offer. This is what we need to agree on. So when we, we present it, you know what you're presenting. So the number one thing when you are negotiating, right? This is the offer phase is you found the house and it's like, it's time to negotiate. We are in a market where people are more inclined to listen to negotiations because houses are sitting on the market for a long period of time. I just submitted an offer for a condo in Brooklyn that has been sitting for 150 days. And we are in the negotiation phases. And the number one thing that you want to make sure you do is sit down with your realtor and go over every aspect of that offer sheet. Go over what you're putting down for your deposit. Go offer your due diligence. Go over your due diligence period. Make sure that you understand your due diligence period. And due diligence means, all right, the offer is accepted. Now we have X amount of days to do inspection or um wave inspection and go to the next phase. Um, once you do inspections, which I recommend all my clients to do an inspection, once you do an inspection, um, you want to make sure that you get the full inspection report within a timely manner. So make sure your inspector can get that report to you within 24 hours, especially if it's coming up at the end of your due diligence period. So, you know, I've seen due diligence like maybe three to five days when the market was really hot, it was like, you got 48 hours to do an inspection and let us know what you want to do. So, you know, now they're giving you a little bit more time. So with your inspection, you want to make sure you're going over the inspection report um, with, you know, all decision makers who are going to be going into this purchase, going over with your realtor. And if you're in New York, you know, make sure your attorney understands and knows what's going on with the inspection report, because in the contract, they will put these things in there. So in New York, um, I keep saying it, I'll say it a hundred times over, we are an attorney state. So I can negotiate on your behalf. I can give the uh, listing agent heads up like, hey, this is what came up on the inspection report. The attorney is aware of it. And so that is something that will come up in conversation with your client um just to give them a heads up about it honestly the ne negotiations here are more so between the attorneys but they get their information from the real estate agents we are boots to the ground firsthand seeing everything so um making sure you know what's in your inspection report and knowing the things that you can negotiate uh honestly appliances those kinds of things as long as they're in working order working condition there's really not much room to negotiate on there. But if it's something like a boiler is leaking, that's cause for negotiations. We can either lower the price of the offer price or you guys can give us seller concessions to get it fixed or you can leave money in escrow to get it fixed or you can just opt to get it fixed yourself. But then that goes into, okay, well, 
Mr. Seller, if you're going to get it fixed, my client wants to be able to choose who fixes it. And that can be where, you know, you might have a little back and forth because obviously price and cost comes um, comes into that. And so, you know, people want to make sure that they, okay, if you're going to send me your guy to fix it, how much is this going to cost? But typically, you know, those are things that you're going over with your realtor and your attorney. Um, after that phase of the, of the negotiations, then it comes the next phase of negotiation. So you agreed upon what your earnest money deposit is going to be. You've agreed upon what things in the inspection report are going to be taken care of um, prior to closing or after closing as far as when it comes to... Um, as far as when it comes to escrow and, and seller concessions. Um, the next part will go into like the appraisal phase. So in your offer sheet, there is something called contingencies. So this offer is contingent upon ABCD. One of those ABCDs is the appraisal. The appraisal contingency, meaning the house is listed at 450000 You offer. 450,000. The appraisal contingency will state if the house does not appraise that meaning the appraiser says this house is worth 450,000, then the buyer can either a walk away, the seller can can come down on the price, so if it appraised for 430 and the offer was 450, the seller can come down on the purchase price and say, "Okay, we'll agree to a 430 purchase price." Or they'll say, okay, Mr. Buyer, we'll come down half. And so instead of you making up that uh, $20,000 difference, you just have to make up a $10,000 difference. So now instead of you paying $450 for the house, they want you to pay $440 for the house. Um, and so that's what the appraisal contingency is. And that's uh, the next phase of the negotiation process. Now, should you buy a house that you don't have equity in because you're automatically losing equity if you get it, purchase a house that is worth less than what you're purchasing it for. Uh, you, you know, you can make up the difference over time and make your money back, but that's something that you would want to discuss based on your situation and all of that and your finances. I honestly... I probably wouldn't recommend that for most people. I probably wouldn't recommend doing that type of appraisal contingency unless you're like an investor, cash buyer, you have the resources to do it. Um, but if you, you know, if you're an FHA buyer and or you just have limited funds, that's not some something you want to, to do and get into because you're automatically taking a loss coming in and you would have to wait a period of time to recoup that loss. So that is the, that phase of the negotiation process. And then there's one more phase that I feel like people overlook, and it's the final walkthrough phase. So just because you got through the inspection and due diligence period, you got through the appraisal um, contingencies, there's still the other portion, which is the final walkthrough. And that's like you have the clear to close. Now we're going to make sure this house is in the same working condition that it was when we made the offer. And a lot of times, I've seen it more times than not, things have come up on the final walkthrough that when you go to, 
when you go to closing, you're negotiating with your attorneys. So things like, like I said, the boiler isn't working. I saw one property that we did a final walkthrough on and the windows um, needed to be reinstalled because they weren't installed correctly. They were fine when we saw the property, when we put the offer. And now at the final walkthrough, they're broken or they were like off track or something. So, you know, those kinds of things. Um, <clears throat> you are still negotiating even at that point. Um, and then other aspects of the negotiation process, it's not like um, for everyone, but certain scenarios, seller concessions are really, really big right now. So that is being negotiated throughout the transaction. Well, at the beginning of the transaction, it's being negotiated. And then as things come up with like inspection or appraisals, they're, they're being adjusted. But seller concessions are really, really big. And that is where these sellers are offering to pay your closing costs. So you put that in your offer up front, like, okay, we want this property. We will pay X amount of dollars. We will leave X amount on deposit. We will do our due diligence within 72 hours. Um, our appraisal contingency, we might, you know, there might be a, an appraisal contingency that says we will pay $5,000 of the price difference. That's it. And then the seller concessions to make that money back, you can say, but the seller will give us $3,000 in seller concessions or uh, it depends on the type of loan, three to 6% of the uh, purchase price in seller concessions. And that is upfront in your offer and they know what to expect. But you and your realtor, you break it down. All offers should be signed off by the buyers, um, by yourself. If they're not, then that's a problem. You want to know what's in your offer because you don't want, you know, you don't want to be caught off, caught off guard at closing or during the process. And you're like, you know, you find out like, oh, I thought I had five days when you really only had three days for due, due diligence. So those are things to keep in mind as you are, um, you know, continuing on in this journey. You know, we talk about what it's like at the consultation. We talk about the things you can do to get prepared for home ownership. Now we're going to start to get a little bit more deep and like actually talk about the things that you actively do when you are actively looking and searching for your new home. And negotiations are a big, big part of whether or not you're going to be buying your dream home or if you're going to be looking for a minute or might want to take a break or whatever things may happen or come up in it. So I hope you guys learned something today. I hope you're ready to go out there and negotiate, right? Become a negotiating uh, warrior, a negotiating guru. Um, it's great to have a real estate agent who knows what they're doing, but you should also know the quality of work that your realtor is putting in. And these are things that are important. Um, ask, ask about the offer sheet. What does my offer sheet look like? You know, I make sure you're signing off on those offers and make sure you, that you're understanding every aspect of that offer and the things that are to come next after um, afterwards. So um, I just want to give you guys a heads up. We are coming to the end of season one. Um, we're going to have a short break in March. Well, I'll be on vacation for three weeks. So, um, yeah, we have one more episode and well, two more episodes. I'm lying. Two more episodes to come for this uh, first half of the season. 
And I hope you guys have been enjoying it so far. I hope you've been learning a lot. I hope you have been getting a lot of value out of this. Please share this podcast with your friends and family who may be interested in purchasing um, property at any time in the future. Um, As well as make sure you guys are following me on all of my social platforms. They will be in the show notes, um, my Instagram, the new Facebook group page. Uh, We'll also be up there. I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.